Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I love when I have guests who are friends who come back on the podcast. And so today I'm excited to have Rachel on the podcast. She connected with me through uh, social media, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's how she knew me. And then we, you know, talk and stuff. And, you know, I have Rachel in high regard. She's one of my creative collaborators. And so just love Rachel. And I'm so glad that she's back on the podcast. Rachel, what is going on? (laughs) Not much. I am happy to be here. Thanks for having me back. Of course, of course, you know, it's it's a friend thing. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are? Because some people, this might be the first time they're hearing you a little bit about who you are and then, you know, what you've been up to. Okay, so um, (laughs) this is always the hardest part. First, I am a Jamaican girl. Yes, uh, I live in Toronto, so people wouldn't necessarily know me because I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes work. So I was a producer of TV for a while. And then I was an e-commerce specialist at Shopify. And now I am the founder of Island Indies. It is an organization that helps Caribbean filmmakers really find their audience, use the skills that I have through marketing and production and just understanding different audiences through email marketing and all of that stuff to really find their audience and own their audience. That is the most important part because we cannot be slaves to social media. So recently we launched Julie Mango, which is our media platform, part of the company where we just cover Caribbean film. It's one place where the only thing we cover is Caribbean film, TV, on-screen entertainment. So other places you might get music and some film in there, but we're just dedicating ourselves to just covering Caribbean film to be of service to filmmakers and the audience. Yes, multi-hyphenated things going in around here. And I mean, it's typical of us Caribbean people. We have one bucket things going on. But to your point, we leverage the skills we've developed in other industries and in other jobs to these important Beyond passion projects, very important projects for our community, right? And there's a lot of talk about, oh, there's not enough Caribbean people in film. There's not enough Caribbean film. And that's true and false, right? Yes. And so growing up, you know, I remember Smile Orange, you know, Mm -hmm. all these other old classic Jamaican film, Caribbean film. And but here in the U.S. is not quite whole that is set up for us. So let's talk a little bit about why Julie Mango exists and the challenges or explain a little bit why it's both true and false that there's not enough Caribbean films. Okay. It's true and false. The true part is we can't really say that we're not producing because the filmmakers that are putting out content right now, they're doing some really hard work and they're producing some really good things. So In the past, so let's say about 10 years ago, people would say, oh, the quality not good and this and that and all these things when they go to watch Caribbean production. But they can't say that anymore because filmmakers are really stepping up their game. That's why it's false because the content is there. The true part is the distribution. So what our industry is lacking is actually the distribution and marketing system that, say, a Hollywood would have. 
because as an audience member, we just want it to be easy. We just want to say, okay, I subscribe to this platform. I want to see all my things on there because I'm paying my one money. And Or if you're subscribed to more than one, you want to see things where you already are. The thing is, <laughs> those places aren't pulling Caribbean content quickly onto their platform. And because a lot of the creators right now can only afford to produce shorts at first, because we're still a young industry, there's not always a space for shorts on these platforms that people watch every day. That, that when you are ready to wind down from your day and you say, all right, I'm going to go watch some TV now or watch a movie, the place that you would quickly think to go, that's not where our films are. So there are actually places, there are actually small independent streaming services that you can watch Caribbean films on, but people don't gravitate to that first. So to answer your second question, Julie Mango kind of came about because as I was building out some of the services for Island Indies and thinking about how I can connect filmmakers with journalists as a part of the service, I realized there's not a lot of journalists covering our content either. So the visibility part of the situation is what we're intending to fix by providing a platform and really engaging more journalists. So even if the journalist doesn't always write with us, if they if we're showing more young journalists that they, there is a place for you in film criticism or um, culture writing that has to do with film or that includes film, then we'll end up seeing later on that more people are getting into it. So even if they're writing for a different publication, these journalists are covering this beat because right now, not a lot of Caribbean journalists are covering this beat. And the Black journalists in North America or the UK that do cover film, they're covering the Black film that are already in the Hollywood system. So we are kind of outside of that system and no one's really covering that. So I decided, you know what? Nobody na do it. <laughs> I have the skills. I went to school for journalism and marketing and all of these things. So this is why Julie Mango came to be. And, you know, in terms of the name, I was really looking on Rotten Tomatoes when I was doing my research to see, you know, how do critics write about Caribbean film? And it's always so out of touch. And just in general, Rotten Tomatoes is just kind of like rotten in the way that film criticism is, is kind of about the technicalities and stuff like that, which I don't think is fair for our young industry to really look at like all the little technical things. To me, we need to look at culture, right? So Julie Mango is really looking at the cultural criticism. So if we're looking at a piece that talks about something like domestic violence or whatever, I want to look at what is the government in that country that that film is from, say it's from Trinidad or St. Vincent or wherever, what are the systems in that country doing to help people who are victims of that? And how does that play out through this film? Does a film touch on that? So there was one uh, story that we covered that was about domestic violence, and we were able to find resources and reports and actual proof of like what's happening in that country. And it was really reflected in the film. So that's just an example of like how we approach it. So instead of being rotten, <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, how can we be more sweet in our coverage? And Julie Manga is my favorite manga. So I'm going to say, you know, instead of a rotten tomato, a Julie Manga. So that's how that was born. All right. Something popped up in my brain. Julie Mango and Carry On Friends should have a watch party. 
yes, I'm ready. Do, do a film, like something like that. We'll figure that out. Yeah. Now, let's talk about, so we, you know, everyone says like, oh, Caribbean film. So let's give an example of a Caribbean film. So Shatas is a Caribbean mm-hmm. film. Dance All yeah. Queen, that's a Caribbean film. Third World Cup is a Caribbean film. One of my favorite Caribbean films of all time is Lunatic, right? And it was just such an amazing thing. I shouldn't have been able to watch it at the age that I did, but it was an amazing film. And then, of course, we talk about Sprinter in the most recent times. Mm-hmm. And notice the ones that I'm using are the ones that have had the most financing, you know, like commercial kind of success. And this isn't reflective of all the other films in the space that are available. So like HBO is one of those platforms that I've always said been traditionally good at showing shorts. Mm -hmm. And the one short that I saw because I was doing an interview with another filmmaker and that filmmaker mentioned that short. And it was the, it's more like a STEM short, the one where the the little boy. Flight. It was was a short, but it Yes, but yeah. it was really, it was interesting. And what I loved about it, it wasn't the, the tip, quote unquote, typical Caribbean film where you talk about dancehall, shatas, running. It was just something very different, but it's also very true because I know growing up, we had to get very creative and imaginative because we grew up in the JBC one station days and two station sign off, right? And so between those times, we had to be very imaginative about how we played, how we entertained ourselves. And and that's what I loved about it, right? You know, I could tell stories of ways that I would create stories. And my brother the other day said I forced him to sit down in a fake class with some dolly or something because I was going to be a teacher. So, I mean, all these things that kind of talk to like a, a, a Caribbean experience. So I just named a bunch of films that had some commercial success. Why were those films able to have that level of commercial success? And what's, why is that different from like, I know Bazo D with Michelle was a thing, but I don't think it was on the same level as a sprinter, a shutters, dancehall queen. And wh- why was that the case? Okay. I'm glad you mentioned like, I want to come back to that after, but the reason why say, if we look at sprinter, It's a good example to use why Sprinter had the success, the visibility. I won't necessarily say success because getting distribution doesn't necessarily mean that you're making money. So it had the visibility that it did because of the production team that it had, right? So they were fortunate enough to be a part of the Overbrook slate, right? Uh, That's Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith's production company. And because they had that weight behind them, they were able to get a distributor. They were able to get a sales agent and a distributor. Those are the two things that are missing from a lot of people. And also it was a feature. So let's just start there. A feature is easier to sell to an exhibitor or a distribution company than a short. So it was a feature. They had production people who are in LA with experience who have the connections, first of all. And then they were able to push it. They had the marketing to be able to push it, even though when we talk about access <laughs> at first, we saw the same thing that we saw with Small Axe, where it was released in North America, well, first in the US, 
And then people had to cuss on social media to get it in Jamaica quicker, right? One thing that Sprinter also did, they actually had theatrical releases as well. So they were in theaters. One thing that the producers were doing was asking people to sign up. So you had to go to a landing page in whatever city you were. So they were really pushing that before the whole Netflix release, right? They were really pushing, like, if you are if you want to see this in your city, go and sign up. I don't remember the name of the theater company, but it wasn't one of the, like, the Cineplexes or the AMCs or one of those. It was a smaller exhibitor, right? But what they did have behind them, obviously, was budget because that's one of the biggest things that, you know, filmmakers don't have. So filmmakers sometimes have to scrape and promote to make money. So if they're crowdsourcing or if they're getting a grant or if they're joining a competition to make their films in terms of the production. So by the time they're done, they likely don't have the cash to do any kind of marketing and promotion, right? So when I was doing my research for Julie Manga, I also saw that there is a fund called Print and Advertising Fund. But those funds are available to big budget productions. So people have to understand if you haven't heard about uh, Caribbean films, because they likely don't have the money and sometimes even the time to promote that. A lot of them will go through the film festival system to be able to get their laurels and get some visibility there. And going through the film festivals helps them to get that credibility to say, okay, this film is good. This film has been seen by these people. It won this award because a lot of times those are competitions. So if they win an award, so Flight, for example, did win a couple, a few, I shouldn't say a couple, a few awards as well. And Flight also came out of the JAFTA Propella program that's in Jamaica. So JAFTA is the Jamaican Association of Film and Television or Jamaica Film and Television Association, right? They have monthly meetings. They have different educational things for production. They will bring... So once when I was at TIFF, I think it was in 2016 when I was was at TIFF, they had a delegation. So they brought the films to Toronto International Film Film Festival as well. So they really do help push that part of it. But the part, again, that's missing is the distribution because that requires a lot of systems. I don't know of any Caribbean distributors. I've started to do some research on that. I'm trying to figure out who's already doing this or at least even sales agent. Because if you have a Caribbean sales agent, then they can push for your film to be on a streaming service or an exhibitor or something. And again, a part of the problem is that when films show in theaters in Jamaica, for example, they don't have a long run, right? They don't have a long run. And then people are like, oh, how this only show for three days and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes people miss it because if it's only out for a weekend, that doesn't mean that it doesn't give you enough ample time to be able to go and see it, right? So that is also part of the problems. And then shorts don't get that treatment. Shorts don't get to be shown in theaters, which is where people want to go to see films, especially when outside open back, people are going to be flocking back to theaters, right? So there are so many different factors and a lot of the organizations that are championing Caribbean filmmakers are really focusing on getting them production ready. But 
now we also need to see organizations that are championing for them to get solid distribution and solid marketing and money for those things so that they can reach their audience. Because if not, filmmakers are going to get have to get really creative and become social media experts, email marketing experts, website building experts. You get what I mean? So after, and sometimes they don't want to do that. They just want to make their films and move on to the next project after it, it gets seen, you know? So it's a lot of different factors and we're committed to trying to help as much as we can to have conversations with filmmakers and see what they need and how we can get them ready to own and build their own audience. Thanks, Rachel. You said a lot. So now we can say in 2021, Caribbean films have improved in their quality, their production quality. So that's not the issue. They're experiencing a money issue, a distribution and marketing issue. They experience limited runs and they experience limited access, right? I should, if I should list them, limited access and then limited runs. So those are the challenges. So now that we understand that there are Caribbean films, there are a bunch of them. I've listed some that maybe some people in the audience have never heard of, right? And, you know, I'm sure you could go on Julie Mango and all these other things. So what role does the audience play in the consumption or the lack thereof? Okay, so audiences are unaware right? And a part of me sometimes get frustrated when, like, for example, a new film, the 1938 Unrest came out and the filmmaker J.P. Williams out of Jamaica, he released it just on YouTube, right? And he got some good promotion for it, like people were watching it. But I went through the comments and the comment was, oh, we need more of this. We need more Caribbean Jamaican film, right? And I was just like, they exist. (laughs) I'm screaming at the computer like, they exist. They exist. But it's not the audience's fault that they don't know about it. Because that's what we just spoke about. The whole like, no money for marketing thing, right? So a lot of times, it's just the filmmakers, friend them, and other film industry people. What we're finding is that the other people in the industry, they are the main audience. It's so niche that it's them that's watching stuff, right? But the other frustration comes from the fact that there are streaming platforms. So we have an article that lists five of them, right? Each of them have about, or the three biggest ones have about a hundred or so films and that's growing. So it's not like it's one or two films. Like you can go back into the catalog and watch films from maybe like seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. And new films too, right? New films are coming out all the time. And a couple of those streaming services are also film festival organizers. So they have a good pipeline of films coming in, right? So what happens is the audience, they really don't know, or the mass. Like in terms of volume, not enough people know, but we need them to know. We need that visibility for filmmakers because when it comes time for people to say, okay, I'm going to make my next film. They need to be able to show data to say, okay, this is my audience. These are the amount of people that have watched this film. These are the amount of people I have in my email list because that's worth something. That's worth money. These are the amount of people on my socials, all of that stuff. And this was the response. This was a favorable response from actual people who will spend money on movies that watch my film. So when they go to investors for their next thing, 
they can say, okay, this is the track record that I have when it comes to audience, right? But right now, filmmakers don't have that. So it's putting them at a disadvantage. So if you are a person that's interested in Caribbean film, although I know it's harder to actually, it's not as intuitive to say, oh, I'm going to go on this streaming service and watch Caribbean film versus if you're just going to quickly jump on Netflix because that's the place where you watch the majority of your thing. It becomes a kind of like an experience, like it's an event to go and watch Caribbean film. Although it's a bit harder, it's something that we have to do if we want to see the industry grow because it's not about what what the excuse that we could have said before where it's just like, oh, well, they're not good quality, so I'm going to watch them. No, they're good. They might be short, but they are good and we need to support them and we need to promote them and we need to tweet about them. We need to have conversations about them so that we can help. If you like it, find your new favorite filmmaker and talk to them on social media. You get what I'm saying? Help other people to see because it's going to have to be virality until filmmakers have the money to actually do the marketing. Listen, what you're essentially saying is that the system, lack of money, lack of marketing and distribution, all plays a role in how the audience can discover a film or Caribbean films, right? And because of that lack of discovery, then viewership is low. And then the production houses, the Netflix, the all of these places then interpret it that Caribbean people aren't interested, which is not true. It's because if they can't see it, they can't watch it. If they're not aware about it, they can't watch it. And then this creates this unending cycle that is really false because if you're not promoting it. And that's why, again, I'm doing your, you know, your spiel. That's why you exist, because you're telling us about what these films are, where they're existing, and hoping that we support them. So then we can't say they don't exist. You know, if in this episode, Rachel is saying they exist, come on to Julie Mango TV. And then I know you, you have the list of streaming Streaming companies, services, services who have Caribbean films, over a hundred of them, and the subscriptions for them are very low, right? And if we we don't support so that we have these numbers to say, hey, you know, then the films won't get pushed to us to see them more because then they turn around and say, oh, you don't want them. So for instance, Sprinter, we know about Sprinter because we've seen it, right? Yeah. Also, the film director... Storm Salsa, right? He's been around for a minute, right? So he's he's kind of gone through the paces of, you know, wherever he started to where he is now. But also, it took a minute before we were able to see that on Netflix. And so I don't know if it's still even on Netflix. And these are the things that, you know, we are trying to do. Like when Sprinter's on Netflix to watch it, there are some other Caribbean films that I've seen on Netflix. One was in French. It was about something around Martinique and Guadeloupe around the time. So a lot of them exist, but we are just not aware of them and we don't have the time or we just don't find it interesting. But I promise you, when you watch them, they're really incredible stories. And so then let's go to the next um, question because we've now explained why the system is stacked against the audience, right? So the Mm -hmm. audience can't find a film. It's stacked because of whatever, but why... My favorite Caribbean film is not on Netflix. Hard to get on Netflix. Are it's only on Netflix for two weeks, unlike some show where they run for donkey years. <laughs> I have some feelings about that because 
another set of research that I'm doing is to try to answer exactly that question. So let me take a deep breath for this one because it's the same thing that we just talked about. Certain films, Netflix doesn't even know that they exist because if you don't have an aggregator, so an aggregator is like a sales agent. So like they are the ones that um, push your work to streaming services, right? So if you don't have someone representing you in terms of pushing distribution as a filmmaker, they don't even, you're not even on their radar, right? The other thing though, that I'm not letting Netflix or Amazon off the hook for is that we are lumped in with Latin America. So it's a Latin America and the Caribbean. So me with my journalist self now say, okay, We'll have a Latin America and Caribbean department, right? So that tells me that these people that work in this department are supposed to be promoting, championing, celebrating, finding, like sourcing, scouting productions out of these areas. Okay, so I go on LinkedIn, say, I want to see who's in this department. So I go, I search, you know, Netflix, Latin America and Canada. And all I see is people from South America. (laughs) You get me? So when it comes to those kind of departments within region, when we're talking about regionality, we don't even get our own category in terms of regionality because in entertainment, the general thing is that Caribbean people don't spend money. We don't spend money on music. We don't spend money on the entertainment properties, right? So they're using old data to say, we're not interested in things. But this is obviously false if Netflix looks at their data of what we're watching or how many, their penetration in the Caribbean. Because they can't tell us, I've looked this up, I don't remember the exact numbers right now, but there is a good amount of penetration in the Caribbean itself, right? But this is where they talk about taste now. So if you go on Netflix's help page and ask that question, there's a frequently asked question that is, why do I not see a film that I like on Netflix? And they talk about taste. So their whole thing is, we have to give people what they want, but they don't know what we want. There's nobody working within their organization that is focused solely on what Caribbean people want. And when it comes to talking about spending power, they just have to look at their subscription numbers to show that we are subscribing to their things. So give us our content. Show us ourselves on your screens. Amen. Amen. (laughs) No, there's nothing else to say about that. All right. So we could go on and on about this, but I think we just want to drive home this key point that Caribbean, they're making great films. It's not like back in the day. And this is for another discussion, but I want to drop it in your ears and maybe it's an article or something, right? You know, in the age of streaming, maybe the reason why we're seeing less because you can't bootleg streaming. Whereas in the past, how many people bootleg dancehall queens? How many people bootleg shatas? Shatas was released on bootleg before it even was theatrical release. That's how most people saw it. So we can't bootleg them anymore. And so streaming then removes that from a general audience, right? So now filmmakers have to contend with lack of 
budget for distribution or marketing. And so the audience isn't aware. The audience is like, yeah, more Caribbean representation in films. And they are, right? But what the audience, like you said, what the, before we can see more of ourselves in films, we have to support our films, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to take work for us. We have to be a little bit more, like you said, intentional mm-hmm. about that. We can't just, they're not going to serve it to us. So you see, just like how if you're in the Midwest or you're there somewhere, you say, me need to find a Jamaican spot for those who eat meat. Rachel and I are not meat eaters, mm-hmm. right? You go find your oxtail meat. You know, I'm going to find my swims, sorry, my shrimp. <laughs> That's a joke. And Rachel wants our vegan patty, our vegan something. The way we search for those things is the same way we have to search for our Caribbean films and entertainment. And because they're what... not going to serve us that on a platter the way that we would like to like them to do. Go ahead, Rachel. Sorry. And, and I'm saying that is why we exist. So you don't have to go and search for it. We are serving it to you. I mean, we can't give you everything at one time because it takes work to put out the content. <laughs> but so something that you said earlier, some of these films are free too. And again, in that way, they're also kind of hard to find because the filmmakers are putting it on Vimeo or putting it on YouTube. And if, they're, if they don't have a, a following, if they don't already have their own audience, you might not see because someone might not retweet it. Because how I found out about the 1938 unrest was because somebody that i follow tweeted it so i wasn't even looking for it it wasn't on my radar until someone retweeted or tweeted about it so one thing that we're also doing is giving away three month subscriptions each month to streaming platforms that are that's caribbean content and it's funny enough like people aren't signing up for that you know what i mean Say what now? People aren't you signing up for it. You can free months. Yeah, you can get your free month beyond my um, email list. So it's just, it's funny to me because it's just like, okay, I'm trying to remove a barrier just to see what the interest is like, right? And people still aren't biting. And it's like, I'm giving you three months to sit down and watch up to, you know, however many Caribbean films are on that platform. And sometimes it's just like crickets. I mean... I've been giving them away because, you know, people are slowly joining the email list, but it's not, again, I know I need to do more promotion too, but it's not as, people aren't grabbing like- Nobody not rush. Yeah, no, yeah. they're Nobody not rushing. Rush, so, so, fine. yeah. It, it, it's it's so, so, interesting. So it goes back to the other thing. Like, we are asking for things, but when it's being offered, not a lot of people are supporting it. And that's all around when it comes to media. You know, people mm-hmm. want it for free. There has to be a cost. There's a lot of costs associated with putting up a film and it mm-hmm. has to come from somewhere. And so, you know, we'll drop the link in my show notes for people to sign up to your newsletter. Okay. And so they can enter yeah, or whatever I'm it is to... Giving it away, people. Giving it away. Yes. I'm spending yes, the right. money. To three pre- months. Yeah, for three months. And it's not like the streaming services sponsoring this. I'm spending my own money to give this away because I think it's important. Important. And one thing that I wanted to say too, when it comes to the intentionality that you were talking about, I think as Caribbean people, we have this thing where like, if it's not packaged in a foreign packaging, we know auntie, you know what I mean? And it's such a weird thing to me. No, no, no. Because again, like I said, we can go off on so many tangents, right? Because, that's belly. 
right? Belly is packaged in a foreign package, mm-hmm. right? Belly isn't a fully Caribbean film, but I think it's more of a Caribbean film in an American setting, right? Right. And But because it was packaged with Nas and DMX and all of those people exactly. in there, it, it, it felt more exciting and yeah, versus other films. And that we already know the talent is there. I promise you, watch Sprinter. We don't. We have to figure out if it's still on Netflix. I did a quick search. I'm going to get an error message, which usually tell me it come off. Mm. Netflix, right? But Sprinter was a great quality. It was good. They had some heavy hitter ac- actors in there, even though the accents could need some work. I think only one accent needed work, and that was David Allen Greer. Mm-hmm. But I think what they did was they limited his speaking parts mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be so abrasive the accent. But other than that, there were a lot of Jamaican um, um, Caribbean actors and actresses in there. The one woman, I can't remember her name, but she's of Chinese heritage. Lorraine Toussaint, right? And so the films are there. We just have to support them. I really enjoyed Sprinter. It's a story that's, if it's not relatable to you, you know somebody who went through a similar story. And we we just have to support our films. And again, we'll have the link in the show notes Mm -hmm. to sign up for that. Rachel and I have some plans. We probably do a watch party or something. I'm going to put it here so we hold it accountable. And, you know, you know, a group of us just watch a film and support them, right? Because we have to do our parts. This is why our platforms exist, mm-hmm. to elevate our culture and, you know, the things that come out of our culture. And we can't wait on big platforms to do that. It's actually the opposite. Those big platforms want to see how we respond without them intervening before they throw dollars behind us. That's how they operate. We want it to show up on these platforms. They're looking for us to mobilize behind our own and then they'll put big money in it. And it's the same. It just looks very different. So, you know, let's use Versus, for example. Versus didn't have any backing at first, but they saw the weight of the culture behind the verses. And then that's when all this money flowed exactly. in, even for people like Timberland and Swiss Beats, right? It's the same thing with or things, right? They they want to see how we mobilize behind or thing. And then they're like, oh, we're going to put money in it. Yeah. That's how they operate. So please support our Caribbean film, support Julie Mango TV. Thank you for continuing to support Carry On Friends. We've been around for so long and it couldn't be without you. And we pay it forward by, you know, highlighting and spotlighting other platforms who are splintering off to to specialize in areas where we need the visibility. So thank you, Rachel. Any last words where they can find you? So, yeah, you can find Julie Mango at juliemango.tv and on Twitter at juliemango.tv, no dot. And for me, Rachel Osborne, you can find me at Rachel Osborne underscore on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. So So you can catch me there. I guess my last words would be, it's okay to get excited to discover a new filmmaker, a new actor, because we don't have the big name act to them. There's so much talent. And by just watching a film, you're helping so many people. You're helping the crew. You're helping the actors. You're helping the industry grow because there's so much work for the industry to grow, but we need the audience. We really, really do. So a lot of them shot 10 minutes out of your time. Now I kill you for the day. You can go back to Netflix after. Rachel, as always, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you again for listening, everyone. And until the next show, 
walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience, produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.